0: Hello, I'm Dini Rasmus. Welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Wrap, the podcast in which we tell you about all the latest news and top feature articles from the Farmers Weekly magazine on shelf. This week we are looking at a double issue that we're doing for 22 and 29 May, which will be on shelf from Monday the 18th of May until the 1st of June when the next issue comes on shelf. So at the moment, we have decided to switch to a bi format just for the rest of May and for June because the Level 4 lockdown will still be in place until the end of the month, which is having an impact on our ability to distribute the magazine. And then on the other hand, also obviously having an effect on our readers and their ability to get to the shops frequently And this just gives everybody more of an opportunity to actually get their hands on the magazine until we start entering a more normal trade environment again when parts of the country hopefully start moving to Level 3 by the first week of June. So on the line today as well is Sabrina Dean again, our correspondent in the Free State. Sabrina is going to chat with me today about this 22-29 May issue. And we're going to start with one of the articles that Sabrina wrote for this issue about wheat supplies, both globally, and how certain wheat export quotas might affect South Africa. Hello, Sabrina.
1: Hi, Deneen. Good to be able to speak to you again. How are you?
0: Doing very well, thanks. It's a lovely autumn day in Johannesburg, so I'm enjoying the last bit of warmth until winter really wraps us up in cold. So, yeah, to just take a look at your story, we were just entering the lockdown in those first few weeks. There was a bit of mild panic about whether or not we might run into um, wheat supply issues, given that we are a major importer of wheat, importing, you know, at least about half of what we need for local consumption every year. But in your story from this latest edition, it does seem that there's, there's very little reason to panic at this time. Yeah, seemingly
1: so, in. So our, our wheat situation, anybody in the industry will know that in the past we used to be major, major wheat producers. We've gone through many, many years of steady declines, and the effect at the end of the day basically means we do need to still import about at least half of our wheat that is used for flour, bread, etc. in the country every year. What also often happens is our producers would produce on a nice high quality. There were many restrictions for many years, so it was a very, very superior grade wheat. Whereas the wheat imported from places like Russia, your Black Sea wheat region, would often produce a much lower grade or lower quality kernel, but at a much more affordable price. So then the millers would basically bring that in, blend it with our good quality, and end up with a fairly alright quality product at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Um, Yes. recent years, we've had a lot of focus on trying to revitalize our industries, trying to make concessions so that farmers can produce more affordably um, and profitably here in South Africa. But sadly, we're still not. There are still too many challenges when it comes to climate, when it comes to cultivar performance, those kinds of things, for us to be in a situation where we are producing enough wheat for our own needs. In something like maize meal, we'd be very worried, or mealy, particularly white maize. There are very few countries that do actually use white maize in the world, South Africa being one of them, Mexico being a age producer, um, and a few limited others. Wheat, though, there's a lot all over the world. I mean, I mean we, we, we're looking at, for example, the International Greens Council in its latest summary now in April saying that wheat production was expected in this season to increase 0.3% um, up to a new high of 764 million tons. Okay, that's wheat production. 764 mm-hmm. million tons of wheat being produced across the globe. And global stocks expected to increase then 3% year on year um, to 289 million tons. Now, coronavirus has got everybody uh, uncertain. Nobody knows quite what's happening and I think certain of the wheat producing countries, like I mentioned those Black Sea regions which includes Russia, Ukraine, um, many of the Eastern European countries like Poland and so on, which is where we get the bulk of the the wheat that we're importing into South Africa. They started getting a bit nervous. There have been droughts in certain regions, which which made them a little bit worried about uh, whether they would have the production they intended. And then there were worries about how coronavirus was just impacting supply and availability. So Russia made this move of putting in a 7 million ton quota at the end of March. Um, That came into effect on the 1st of April. It was announced by the Prime Minister of the Russian Federation, uh, Mikhail Mishushin, who signed a decree to that effect. Basically limiting the amount of non quota grains that could go to non-Black Sea or non-member countries of the, the Eurasian Economic Union region. That quota reached before the end of April. So it was supposed to go until July. On 26 April, the latest communication was, sorry, no more going out. So that sparked a little bit of concern. But in speaking to and researching with some of the experts in this, including Nico Hawkins at the South African Brain and Information Service, Wandele Sekhlova, writings from Agbiz. He's been following this closely as well. We're not too worried. We might pay more, but there'll be enough wheat. We're not going to sit in a situation where there won't be enough wheat.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, just to pick up on some of the quotes from the story, as you said, um, Nico Hawkins from Stock is saying that they did not believe that the implementation of any export quotas, specifically by Russia, would affect our ability to secure wheat supplies for South Africa, but there, there might be cost implications. So... While we're not expecting that there will be any shortages of wheat for the country, we might see an inflationary effect on staples such as flour and and then also bread in the country, which is not good news for consumers who are going to be under a lot of pressure for at least the rest of this year.
1: Yes. And Mika also pointing out to me, it's quite interesting, He said, you know, again, it's not so much that they're scared that they can't get hold of it. And the guys that are trading in wheat, importing it into the country, they know their job. They will shop around when they're going to bring in a shipment and they will then usually make their decision based on where they can get the cheapest available. Um, we we would see, you know, if it's cheaper in Germany than in Poland then they're gonna buy from Germany. So it narrows down the pool a little bit for them, but they're still able to do that. Bigger issues that MECO did raise, bigger concerns, are issues like exchange rate valuation. As the rand gets weaker against the dollar, imported wheat gets more expensive. And then also issues around logistics. Lockdown, as we are seeing with our own magazines, distribution is more difficult. Imagine the same if you're at a a harbor and it's only operating, the ports are only operating at 30% capacity. This has now gone up to, I think, 60% capacity, but it's still, it's challenging when you've got a ship in that needs to be uploaded, uploaded with something else and the next one's waiting and you're not at full capacity. That thing gets added down the value chain and eventually ends up uh, being paid by consumers.
0: Thanks for that, Sabrina. I just want to move on. Maybe just highlight one more news story from this issue. Some very good news for South Africa. So, Dr. Jean Tarrant, she manages the Endangered Wildlife Trust Threatened Amphibian Program. She just won a prestigious international Whitley Award, which is known as a Green Oscar Award. This is for the work that she's done on studying and conservation of frogs in South Africa. So according to Dr. Tarrant, amphibians were some of the most threatened animals on Earth, with about 41% of all species in this group currently at risk of extinction. And then just more locally, almost two-thirds of South Africa's 135 frog species are found nowhere else on the planet, and many of them are under threat from the negative impact of habitat loss. So some of the work that Dr. Tarrant has done, along with her team, to enhance the protection of critically endangered Amatole toad, and they were actually the first to see this specific toad in more than 13 years when they discovered it in 2011. So that's just really a great accolade for a South African and and some good news for all of us to celebrate during this very difficult time.
1: What a beautiful story, Um, and also frogs are so important. People always go on about saving the rhino, which is beautiful, or saving this animal. But if you look at what we need to be focusing on, it's those little creatures like your dung beetles, your frogs. They are so critical and vital to healthy functioning ecosystems. I can't wait to read that one.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I'm going to move on to some of the feature articles. I won't be discussing all of them this week. We can take a look at some more of them um, when we do our weekly wrap podcast next week. But maybe just to give readers a quick glimpse into some of the longer format stories that we cover this week. Ru Woldenboo, who is the head of agriculture at APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, contributed our guest editorial for this week. It focuses on what COVID-19 has taught about food security and also about how the food supply chain functions in Africa. And I think one of the most important points that's made by Wilden in this article is that we will probably see that, especially in Southern African and Sub-Saharan African countries, at least for the next year and and even more as the region sort of slowly recovers from the devastating economic impact that COVID-19 has had, The prominence of staple foods will become even more important. And I think this is something that the agriculture sector needs to take sort of very close cognizance of. Just in terms of planning what will be planted, what will be produced, there will most likely be an increase in demand for cheaper staples, for products such as maize, such as wheat in some other countries, cassava, and increasingly also potato and rice in this region. The demand will shift to those products and also to the cheap type of fruit and vegetables, for example, cabbage and onion, much more important than maybe some of the more luxury products, while people just sort of regain some more confidence and, and until spending starts picking up. So maybe quickly also look at the crop section in this week's magazine. We focus on the effects of Diplodia ear rot on maize. And the article goes into quite a lot of detail about how to identify this disease in a maize stand because it can be quite difficult to ascertain whether or not the fungal disease is present in maize. Once a land has been affected by the plodea, it can markedly reduce grain quality and prices, which is why producers should be able to identify the disease correctly In order then to effectively manage it, and you know, I think what is also important is that if maize has got infected, it does hold serious health risks for livestock, which will then be exposed to mycotoxicosis caused by this disease in maize. Yeah, and I
1: think aflatoxins and mycotoxins causing massive, massive losses in our feedlot industries, for example. They, they really are stringent and strict about that, so they're not going to take any maize that is going to present that kind of risk when it comes to feeding livestock poultry, um, all of those.
0: No, absolutely. So just quickly before we wrap up for the week, I think there's just two stories on the website that I can maybe alert readers to if they haven't seen those stories yet. Of course, we are still doing daily updates in our special coronavirus disease section on the website that looks specifically at how the pandemic is affecting farming and global agri-value chains. This week, we take a look at planting in the Western Cape. Farmers, they're busy with planting for their winter grain crops as well as canola. And there's a couple of challenges for farmers in the different regions. There's some parts of the Western Cape Still very, I haven't had any significant rainfall yet so far this season, which is curbing planting a bit. But then, as one farmer, Andries van der Poel, who farms near Houda in the Western Track said, the COVID 19 pandemic has hampered planting for them just because it's been difficult to obtain parts for implements due to courier companies not being able to make deliveries. And then, just lastly, We are following up on a story that we covered a couple of weeks ago just as the lockdown and trade restrictions came in place, and that's the effect that this is having on the flower industry. So even though we've heard that agriculture is supposed to almost resume normal course of business and normal trade, there's still a lot of confusion for farmers in the flower and ornamental plant industries about what they are allowed to do. And many retailers still very skeptical about taking in supplies from these farmers. So, you know, hopefully there will be more certainty coming from government, from the Department of Agriculture, just so that these farmers are able to get into production again.
1: Well, if you're not allowed to sell flip-flops, are you allowed to sell flowers? I suppose that's what the retailers are asking at this stage.
0: I don't know, Sabrina, maybe if they market them as some kind of herbal cure during winter. (laughs) But um, for now, I think the only thing South Africa really ask from government is just you know for some rationality and some consistency in the regulations that are being imposed
1: Dineen, it's been fabulous speaking to you. It's lovely to hear um, the fact that the magazine's out there. It was such a thrill for me too to actually pick up and buy <laughs> my own magazine when I went to the shops. Also, as we mentioned last week, there are options for those who can't get to stores or if the, the physical copy is not available in stores. There are subscription options and there are online options available.
0: Yes, all that information is on the website and, you know, we've got various platforms on which readers can obtain digital subscriptions. We still have that special promotion that we're running during the lockdown period in place where people can get a 50% discount on an annual digital subscription. And then, you know, continue following us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly S.A., and where we do post daily updates on new articles, both in terms of new news that's breaking in agriculture and then also, you know, the speeches about agricultural production to inform farmers who are lucky enough to be able in this time to continue with their businesses in some state of normalcy. Thank you to the listeners. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, happy farming.